Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. I'm not a crusty crab. Oh man, what is up everybody? It is time for another, another edition of the Hard Rock Lunchbox. But more importantly, it is time for... Dude, this is the 100th episode of the Top 20. Now if you apply a little math, that's the Top 2000. Yeah! We made it! And honestly, I have never done just 20, so it's probably like in the 2500s. If you would have told me 101 weeks ago that I would be celebrating the 100th show of the top 20, I would have been like, that sounds like a horrible idea. And I would have been right. It's been nothing but a horrible idea, in my opinion. I do hope some people get some enjoyment out of it. I do know that it is, uh, it's a regular staple for people that can't watch or can't listen live to the Top 20 or the Hard Rock Lunchbox. The fact that it's available on YouTube and you get to see my face over the years, not that you'd want to. Uh, but you can, uh, if you want, on StrangerHood TV every single week for the past 100 weeks. Uh, that's been cool. Uh, what else have we accomplished in the past 100 uh, we have been in trouble with YouTube twice. That video removed two times. One time I fought them and got it reinstated. The other one is just pending. I think I told you about that. It got struck down about a year and a half after I put it up uh, because it was talking about January 6th and election denying and stuff like that, uh, where I was making fun of election deniers. And then I got taken down because apparently they thought something. I'm, I'm, I'm even afraid to talk about it because I don't want, I don't, I'd hate to get the 100th episode taken down. I mean, although that'd be pretty appropriate. And honestly, wouldn't the internet be better if we just take most of these episodes down anyway? I mean, come on. <laughs> so I don't know, like, what have we learned over the past 100 episodes of the top 20? Anything really? Kind of ranges from politics to bands to common culture and common courtesy and common decency. It's funny, I, I pulled up just briefly, because I honestly didn't even realize it was the 100th episode until today. That's just how completely checked out I am on stuff that isn't, like, directly vexing me. But, like, I pulled up the first one just to listen to it, and it's so funny because I'm talking about this idea that Jimmy G had when he was in here last, which would have been roughly 101 weeks ago. Uh, when he said, you should just film this. You should film what I, what you do on, you know, for the first 20 minutes of the show. And like, the Hard Rock Lunchbox never, it, it like never set out to do that. Like, we, we never, we, <laughs> me, myself, and I never set out to do that. Like, have like a 20 minute just sort of whatever. This is supposed to be a music show interspersed with like, you know, anecdotes and road stories and stuff like that. And it really has morphed over the past nine years. I think anybody that's spent, any decent amount of time listening to this show just could probably realize those changes. I mean, aside from the fact that the audience is completely different than when we started this show and has been through several iterations and, and, and you know, and like, 
incarnations of the audience, and that's fine. There's a lot of people that just don't listen anymore, and there's a lot of new people that, or newer people that listen every week, and I'm super grateful for all of them. Obviously, I'm more grateful for the people that are listening now, because I'm biased, and that's just how that works. I am... This is not a political statement, but uh, when uh, former President Trump announced that he was rerunning or running again for 2024, uh, I didn't care really about like, like it was no surprise. It wasn't like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. But what did surprise me and consistently surprises me is that I was driving home from uh, rehearsal and I was just listening to the news and they were saying like, well, he's running again and blah, blah, blah. And among other things, in his hour-long speech, he said, and I was like, hour-long speech? Jesus Christ. What kind of an asshole talks for an hour? <laughs> I'll give you a hint. <laughs> this guy. Who asked you? <laughs> Who's got two thumbs radio show and finds, I don't know, 20 to 25 minutes of material to talk about every week? I gotta say, I like the way the beard's coming in. You won't be able to see this till next week, if you're listening. If you're watching, you're seeing it right now. But I do like how it's coming. It does look weird on camera, though. It's just... It's just, like, a very personal thing, but, like... And nobody cares. Nobody asked, even. So I know no, nobody cares. Probably nobody wants to hear it. I just grow hair very slowly. <laughs> I don't... I don't have a lot of body hair. I don't have a lot of hair on my arms. I never did. Uh, usually... When I'm not sporting a beard for November or just because I'm trying to hide, like, fat rolls in my neck. Um, by the way, I don't have any more fat rolls in my neck. I mean, I can get them if I do my job at the night. But uh, I actually I don't have the fat rolls in my neck anymore. I'm becoming leaner, people. I'm becoming leaner and meaner. And my demeanor is cleaner. Not with a fox, not on the box. Um, I'm saying so. So I like the beard. Uh, Trump talked for an hour. Who else could talk that long? I forgot. Oh yeah, so I pulled up the first episode of the Top Twenty because I was curious what it was about, and it was it was literally about band support, which I thought was uh, uh, great. Um, I was I was glad for that because it wasn't political back then. Because I'm not political every week. It just you know stuff kind of comes comes up and stuff and. Usually my stuff tends to be more social commentary because that's the stuff I deal with. Uh, especially since it's not like the band has taken a back seat in my universe. It's just there's there's not much. I mean, there's, there's just not all that much going on. Like, there's not much interacting going on. Like, the, the band itself, my band itself, Rebel 9, is actually functioning really well. Probably the best it has in the, the nine years that this uh, in, in incarnation of the band has been together. I, I don't really know why. I mean, there are some things I can certainly attribute it to, but it seems to be running a lot better. A lot of, uh, there's a lot less personal conflict. There's a lot less conflict in general. Uh, and I think that that's all a good thing. And I have to tell you this new, um, the new material that we're working on, aside from, you know, it's new material, so it's going to be my favorite. But uh, the approach we're taking is so goddamn easier. Like, I just, I got to tell you, man, after engineering and, and basically, you know, working hand-in-hand hand with our producer, like, every step of the way for the last three records, like, it is so much easier to just sort of turn the wheel over to somebody else. Like, it's like I almost, like, fantasize about 
allocating responsibilities at this point. Like it's not that it's not that so much that I don't want to do them because that's the problem. Like I really love doing, uh, like I love recording. Like I love recording and engineering. I love working on stuff myself. Like whenever I demo things, like even the new Rebel Nine song that I demoed out for the band, like I worked on it for a long time because I enjoy it. Like it's a demo. It's like really nobody's gonna hear it. Like it's just the band, but it's for me. Like what I like to listen to. So like I can put in that kind of work. And I, I really do enjoy it. I mean, when, when you have something that's a total passion project like that, it's just, it's so much fun to get the time and do it. But the reality is, is like, I've written two songs this year. Dose. That must be my lowest count ever. Uh, probably my lowest count since uh, that space between uh, when I was in Sufferful and when I started G Davy because I basically just quit being in a band for however long that was. It wasn't long. Maybe about a year and a half. Um, but, like, you know, even then I feel like I was writing. I was just writing, you know, for myself and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's it's not good. But my point is, sorry, I'm all over the place. It's, it's been a bit of a day already. Um, but my point is, is that we are, I, I'm basically offloading a lot of the responsibility to our producer and engineer, um, Dave Cacciano, because we basically spoke uh, when when I agreed to, to do this, and I said, this is what I'm looking for, and he's like, yeah, man, that's what I'm looking for for you. And, yeah, we just we just been doing it. Like, I was in, whenever I was in, a couple weeks ago, to do my, my uh, guitar tracks, or the rhythm guitar tracks, and then we're going to go in and do the melody guitar tracks later. Uh, but just the main rhythms and stuff like that, and I was just I was just in his talent because all the decisions had been made already. Like I've I've written what I've written, I've rewritten you know whatever the band has brought me, and I put them into song, and we've worked on whatever, and we sat with Dave and we produced what we were going to produce. I mean, we made so few changes on these songs; it's actually bananas. Uh, we made we're doing four songs. We've we've made less changes across the four songs than I made on pretty much every single song um, from the last record. So I don't know if that's just a function of like these songs are like just wow, or if it's just the way that we're doing things now. I, I don't know the answer, and honestly, I don't care. I'm not shooting for a Grammy anymore. Like I'm not looking to be Taylor Swift. Like I'm just, I'm just not. I don't think the music scene is there. And it's funny because people keep telling me that you know rock, especially hard rock, is making a comeback, and I just honestly could care less. I couldn't care less because. What it's going to take to get me to fire up all cylinders on this machine is just not worth it. There's a couple of bands on our level that, we, you know, we, I want to say kind of came up with, but that we were on par with. There's a couple of bands out of the thousands of bands that are doing something kind of that looks like advancing their career, but the sheer volume of effort that they are putting in to get there. It's, it's not as attractive to me as it used to be. I mean, we're talking like emails every week, uh, you know, new videos, new covers, record. I mean, these are bands that have their own studio and they're engineering stuff on their own. They have uh, representation. They're paying for that representation. Uh, they're making money. They're playing constantly. And there's just no real room for anything else. You know, like I've said, like anybody that does DIY stuff, like whenever you see that DIY, like how do you want to be, how did, like if you ever see anything that's like how, how to become a full-time musician, the answer is always the same. Do it all the time. Poof, you're a full-time musician. There's never like... 
how to be a full-time musician and, you know, have a salary that, you know, pays for your life. Like, I've said it for years. For the past 10 years, I, I would be able to support myself on the road. Not a problem. Would I be able to own a house and support a family? Probably not. But yeah, supporting myself on the road, super easy. I actually have talent. I have a back catalog. I have an incredibly good work ethic. Work ethic. And I know a lot of people that I could just kind of tap in with. I could go be a touring musician tomorrow. Like, super easy. Like, there are always people looking for people that can deliver the goods. Like, that has never been a problem. But can you make a decent salary and live on Long Island? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, not a chance. Not a chance. I just, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. And all the other people that I do know that are doing something along those lines aren't making that kind of money. In original music, you can actually do it in tribute bands. You can, you can make money, uh, you can do it as a full-time job for sure in tribute and wedding bands. Those bands make bank. And honestly, the better ones, they deserve it. Because as far as I'm concerned, at that point, you're basically theater, right? Like, you're, you're, you train for this, you go out, you do the show. Uh, like, I know, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are for Completely Unchained, but I know that they tour. I know that the band, uh, I think it's Power Windows, it's the Rush Tribute Band, the National Rush Tribute Band. I mean... Those guys make eighty to $100,000 a year just doing that. You know, plus they have, like, endorsements and other stuff, and they can always play with other bands. I mean, like, that's that's a pretty good salary for doing something you love to do. And I had always considered whether or not that was going to be something I wanted to do in the end, and I, I don't. I think I might take an offer if somebody offered it to me, and all I had to do was be talent and play. But I think the way that I'm wired, I would need to sort of step in and kind of take some of the reins because I'm not it's just been a very long time since I've been comfortable just following um, but you know who knows in the next couple of years I don't, I don't really know like for right now like I'm just I'm digging where we're at I like where the band's at I like this recording process and like I started saying like if you can find somebody you trust to engineer a record and you don't have to do it like do it man because this has been so much easier like we're up to vocals like I start vocals next week like and I've like literally done nothing but played the songs a couple of times that is just... I think I've spent more time in the car than I have in the studio. <laughs> to be fair, I haven't heard any of it yet. It could sound like dog shit, but I just, I just kind of don't think so. It sounded mighty thick when I was just there, and that was without Tony and Kaz. Now, it's completely possible that Tony and Kaz could have completely ruined the project. I'm just... I'm hoping that didn't happen. <laughs> they did a good job uh, i will find out I, i'll find out in a week and i'll report back speaking of reporting back in a week uh, as always we will be having our thanksgiving show uh, our hard rock, hard rock lunchbox is always thursdays from noon to two and thanksgiving is absolutely no exception so i will be here next thursday and i believe uh, we do the box giving special which is the 20 biggest bands of the box ever which i think i actually have this written down because I, I used to mess it up all the time I think it's the most played bands of the box going all the way back. So we're approaching our 10th year. No, we just, no, we just entered our ninth year. I'm sorry. I have no idea what month it is. We just entered our ninth year. So it's going to be basically nine years of bands and who I played the most. And I'll just tabulate it all up and count them down. Now, to be fair, Craving Strange wins that every year by the numbers. So I exempt them. Sorry, guys. Womp, womp. So is Craven Strange going to win this year? It's always a no! Yeah, man. It's always a no. Sorry. 
But that's because I play them every single week, and it really wouldn't be fair. And we're up to episode 470-something, so they would be played 470-something times. Now, that's not entirely true, because I've played Jimmy's side projects. I've also played Sick as Monday in its place. I've played some stuff that Frank has done. Like, it's... So it's not 470. It's probably like 460. So I exempt them anyway, and I just give them a, a little... Uh, Lifetime Achievement Award, somewhere in the top five. You would think after 100 episodes, I might be able to get that right, but you'd be wrong. So, uh, yeah. I have no idea what I was here to say. Anyway, I listened to the first episode of the Top 20, and it was about band support, and I was talking about how... uh, some bands get it and some bands don't like people like the best ways to support support a band now i believe that uh buying music directly from the band is a very good way to support uh but it is not the only way to support and actually that support doesn't do much um i was saying that when you buy a cd or something or even a direct download from the band it's a one-time thing which is great But you need to consider it this way. When you buy a CD or a record or anything from the band, first of all, money has gone into producing a tangible like that, especially like the vinyl. Like, I think we sell our vinyls for 25 at shows. I think they're 29 online. Um, But they also cost almost that to make. (laughs) So there's not even a whole lot of margin on them. Um, I think the deal was is that we ended up charging enough for them so that the four of us could get... Uh, one for free. I think that's basically how it works out. There's not all that many left, by the way. I was surprised that they uh, went as fast as they did, considering we basically stopped touring. Because we ordered the vinyl before COVID like shut everything down. And I fully expected them to go at our CD release party, which, of course, we never had. <laughs> we'll be making that mistake. Uh, but that goes like right back into the band fund, which helps the band pay for stuff like our new recordings. Right, like That's super important. Um... Uh, but the other stuff, like Spotify plays and Spotify shares and Apple plays and shares and YouTube plays and shares, like that is the thing that works on the algorithm to make sure that the band stays relevant and gets uh, more traction. Like, for example, like at any given time on Spotify, we can have between 75 monthly followers and 1,000 monthly followers. I have absolutely no idea how that happens. I know that sometimes... I get it's and it's not like a it's not it's not uh, bipolar at all. It's just the way that I kind of work. Every now and then I kind of enter that upstage and I'm like I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna like message people and talk to people on other radio stations and I'll just send them stuff just like a reminder because honestly, if you if you talk to people and like you have a good relationship with them and you're just like hey man just want to know if you like heard our new song, like I'll give you I'll give you a good example like this was. This was actually really funny to me, but it's, and, and I'm, I'm not using it to be, um, whatever. This is not a negative. This is, this is a positive story, but it's also illustrative of how it kind of works. Uh, so a friend of mine, Johnny, who's a guitar player, we all know who he is. Um, but like I had sent him a recording. I had sent, oh, I sent him the Spotify link of Dirty Deeds when it came out, which was, a year ago? I mean, I don't even know. Like, a year and change ago? Like, a while ago. But it was just his birthday. So I saw it on Facebook. And I'm not... 
Like, I mean, you know the deal. Like, I'm not on Facebook all that often, but when I'm on, like, if somebody's having a birthday, like, the least I can do is take five seconds to be like, happy birthday. So I send him a message, like, happy birthday. He's down in Florida now. I'm like, hope things are good, man. And he was like, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Things are great down here. I love it. He's like, I can't wait to listen to it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I scroll off a little bit, and the very last message I had sent, I was the Dirty Deeds. Like, you know, he likes older music, so it's like I thought it was right up his alley. And he had never responded to it, which is not uncommon, right? Like, people are busy. Like, I'm never like, why don't you respond? Um, the only thing that ever really bothers me is if you text somebody and then you, you get the bubbles back, the three dots or whatever, and then you just never get anything back. Like, Jimmy's talked about how he likes to do that to people just to fuck with them, which I think is super evil genius. Like, if, you know... Dr. Evil never needs another number two. Like, Jimmy G is completely available, I'm sure. Um, but he was like, oh, you know, oh, I can't wait to give this a listen. And I was like, the hell? And I was like, oh, Dirty Deeds? I was like, oh, yeah, I sent you that like a while back or whatever. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, I just downloaded the uh, the rest of your records. He's like, I'm going to listen to them with a cocktail tonight. And I'm like, fucking awesome. Like, and literally all that is is just like a, a contact that wasn't I wasn't trying to sell anything, just like just kind of a reminder. So every now and then like I'll do that with people that happen to be DJs at other stations and be like, Hey man, did you catch our last thing? I've been doing that with SOU a lot because the new batch of people there like just aren't very Rebel Nine friendly and that's not a negative, it's just they have their tight and I'm like, Hey, you know, you ever get a chance to listen to this? And sometimes it's just like, Oh yeah, yeah, awesome, like whatever, we'll just play that so our the, our listenership will then go up to like a thousand listeners for the month and then we'll just drop right back down to like 100 so i don't understand how that works so but when people like you guys share music from bands like you know my band jimmy's band annie's band mikey's band all your bands that you like you know when you share it to other people or post it on facebook or post it on instagram what happens it's like it's not a direct sell it's not like you know you're multi-level marketing or anything but somebody else would be like man i have not heard that song in a little and then, you know, that kind of is how that goes. It's one of the main facets or main tenets of this show. Like, I love that people send me new music to play because what I do is I play it for all you good people. And you listen to it and you can decide whether or not, wow, I like that song. Like, I dig this song. Like, I think our very own Sam Pollitt's got a new song coming out. I think it's tomorrow. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm horrible with that. But hopefully it'll just show up on my... On my uh, least radar but more hopefully than that sam will just send it over because that's what she should do and then i'll be able to play it for, for you guys but my point is i have no point and i don't know what i was going to say about it but i do know that we're going to be here next thursday doing the top 20 bands of the box ever give or take uh so if you have nothing to do on thanksgiving from 12 to 2 or even if you have everything to do on thanksgiving from 12 to 2 don't forget to tune in, and you can hear uh, a lot of my live nonsense. It won't be much of a top 20, because every time I do a countdown, I'm basically just introing the countdown. But I will probably wish you happy Thanksgiving, because I'm not a goddamn savage, and that's the least I can do. So without further ado... Actually, you know what? Fuck it. With further ado... Yeah. Why don't we have more of that? <laughs> I want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart that has supported not only the Hard Rock Lunchbox, but specifically today, the Top 20, because it's our 100th anniversary. It's our 100th... Wait, no. That'd be crazy. I don't want to do that. It's our 100th episode of the Top 20, which to me is bananas that people still want to listen to it and watch it and interact with it, which I just totally appreciate. I was going to spend today this Top 20 talking about what the Top 20 means to me. 
but in true Top 20 fashion, I have completely glossed over the topic I walked in here planning to talk about and talked about something completely else. But hey, I guess it just wouldn't be the Top 20. <laughs> so thank you all again. I promise episode 101 will either be better, worse, or roughly the same as this one. But at least you'll be able to count on something going forward in this crazy, crazy world. A little bit of normalcy brought to you by the Hard Rock Lunchbox and the makers of the Top 20. Probably time to kick this pig. Let's go with, uh, I think in a really long Dream Theater song ought to do it. And I'll be able to pee. Hard Rock Lunch Box. That song always reminds me of the first real uh, re- recording we had done. Uh, we had, we were back. We were still at Unreal to Reels. I think this was the Music Palace in Hempstead. I think uh, it was basically like twenty something years old in a multi million dollar studio, just through a weird twist of events. And we those reels are generally fifteen minutes long, and we had about fifteen. Wow, I'm like whistling. My teeth are all messed up today. Uh, we had about like 15 minutes and maybe five seconds of material, <laughs> and the song just abruptly ended. We were like, "Cool, that's worked. That worked for us." I don't know that that's what happened here, but maybe. So we're talking. If you want to join the conversation, we're at 99wnrr.com. You can go to hardrocklunchbox.com. There's always a link there to get you to the live show, plus the billions of archives uh, of this show. You can always listen to there as a podcast. Um, but we we're just talking about the loss of the Brighton Bar, which. Totally, totally sucks. Uh, the Brighton Bar, it was in Long Branch, New Jersey. We had played there half a dozen times. Uh, it was notable because it was right down the road from Monmouth University, which was cool. It was also uh, across the street and down from Surf Taco, which is one of my favorite taco places on the entire East Coast. Uh, it also had an inside bar and outside bar, um, out, or inside and outside stage. It was just a nice, it was a good, it was a... Honestly, it was a real dive. It was what Amityville Music Hall could be, but in Jersey, and run way better with much better sound. But that sort of vibe. It was just like grungy and dirty and dark and just great music. And then it's like, it's closed and bulldozed. It's it's just done. Which is just, it totally sucks. And it brings me, like, it keeps bringing me to this same point, like... We're losing venues, like, all over the place, right? Because businesses are hard. Like, they're, they're being hard hit because people aren't going out to these things and all that other stuff. And, again, there's this whole consolidation of wealth and power, and that's hitting the venues just as much as it's hitting mom-and-pop stores everywhere, right? They're just not immune to it, even remotely. So it doesn't... It, it stands to reason that places like the Paramount are doing really, really well, and even places, you know, other places like a little bit higher up are doing well because they're they're the ones that can afford to do these things. Like Mulcahy's is doing just fine. But like all these smaller bars, all the smaller venues are having a lot of trouble, which is why, like, I think we as a musical community need to kind of pick one or two of these places to rally behind to make sure that they have a constant feed of or influx of people and bands. Now, there's not a whole lot we can do if there's other problems. Like, we've tried to save many places, right? We tried, like, famously, a lot of bands got together and tried to save Evenflow, but there was just no saving it. And I don't know what the deal was there. I don't know what the financial deal was there, but I know that it was a problem. And I also don't know what the deal was with KJ's either. I know... I 
I know a little bit, but I don't know I don't know enough to speak intelligently on it, so I'm just not gonna. But I know that you know we're running out of places to play. I know that they're d- doing the spotlight bar, which I think is part of the founders' room at, at the Paramount. But that's and they're opening it up to full bands because I just saw that Flak Jacket is going to be playing there with all new episodes in December. So I'm going to be real interested to see how that goes. The problem is when you have something deep in the heart of Huntington like that, especially on a weeknight, it is almost impossible to get people to go there. Huntington Town is like, it's just bananas ridiculous to navigate these days, especially if there's some other event or if there's an actual event going on at the Paramount. It's almost impossible to do anything. Like, it's just impossible to get there. So I don't know how you're going to be able to draw there. But but maybe. And the simple fact that I can draw to Huntington is probably a good thing. But the fact that my band is like an hour away from there doesn't help us. It's the same problem we had when we have uh, shows at 89 North or Stereo Garden. We just had to turn down another show at 89 North because it was like a Monday and they wanted us to play at like 7 o'clock. I was like, dude, my drummer works in Brooklyn. <laughs> it's like there's just no way... We can get there for for no money, by the way. Like it was like you, you were gonna get like some money off every ticket we sold for a band that we don't even like, by the way. And it's like there's just there's no way. Even if I was able to sell a handful of tickets, like it's twenty bucks, and the entire band has to leave work early with like ten days notice. It wasn't even like two weeks. It's just, we had to turn it down. But eighty nine North is like one of the nicest places to play around here, and they're just not interested in original music on the weekends. So, you know, I mean. Not that I'm leading any sort of commission or coalition or anything like that, but I am going to talk to, you know, like Jimmy and, and Annie and Mikey and a couple other people like Pete from Born of Scars and stuff like that and Joey from uh, Neon Skyline. I'm going to talk about like maybe we sort of build up some sort of residency somewhere else. It could be Beery's, it could be 89 North, it could be The Warehouse, it could be any of those things, but it's not going to be on a Friday or Saturday night. I think, I think we're starting to lose the option of those days and that's kind of unfortunate. And I'll talk more about that as I think more about it. But that's kind of where I'm looking to go in 2023. I'll probably do four local shows on a weekend um, in the new year. But the rest are going to be kind of off shots, you know, and we'll see what happens. I, I don't know what else to do. We're literally running out of places to play. And the options are just not great. I don't want to play at Shakers ever. I don't want to play at Rams ever again. I, uh, I'm on the fence about the... You know, Barnum Ballroom. Uh, the only reason it's even an option for me is because Kaz lives right there. So it might be fun for him. And I, you know, I would definitely, like, if he was like, I want to play my home bar, like, yep, end of discussion. So, so I would definitely do that. So it's possible for us to do that. But, like, yeah, like we're even talking about here on the chat, like, just, there's just not a lot of places to play anymore. So I think it's probably smart of us to come together and really start working together again. I mean, it's kind of one of the things that, like, I was trying to do 10 years ago and worked pretty well for a little while. Um, Until it was, like, totally ruined (laughs) by people on the inside and then COVID just kind of finished it all off. But we'll see. I mean, we'll talk about it. But there's really no reason for me to keep talking when I've got such great music. I was actually on my uh, treadmill, like, right behind me not too long ago. And I was just listening to, uh, not not too long, like a couple days ago, and I was just like listening to Discover Weekly, and it's always nice when you just like hear a friendly, familiar voice. It's not quite Deftones, because it isn't, but it's still Chino. And even though it doesn't quite count, it's still nice to hear. It's brand new music from Crosses. It's Vivian on the box. Hard. Rock. Lunch. Box. 
All right, I've got to admit that this next song I'm about to play spun up on my Discover Weekly, which is the the opposite or the 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 partner to the release radar on Spotify. Right, Discover Weekly is stuff from any age bracket that you might have missed or haven't heard in a long time, and that that certainly fit this. I have not heard this in a very long time, and I was listening to it. I was enjoying it because it was always a good song, good fun song. But as I was listening to the lyrics, they started to fit more and more and more with my life, and I was like, I'm definitely grabbing this for the box. Hard Rock Lunch Box. I gotta say, like, you know most people are not fans of news so much these days because news comes with its own asterisk and air quotes. But I really do watch a lot of, or, or subscribe, I guess, to a lot of news outlets that I do sort of trust. Um, and I just, I... I really do appreciate things like The Nation and Mother Jones and Vice and just because they it's not always the same thing and and there's a lot to be said for there's a lot to be said for journalism as opposed to news. I probably shouldn't call them news. I should probably just refer to it as journalism because there are stories that people work on and I find out so much about my world because people do journalism on issues that I wouldn't even know about. I'm actually just reading this um, this blurb. Uh, they're talking about these safe injection sites in New York City, which I didn't I didn't even know existed. Like I knew like I knew like some of cuz all right. So aside from addiction issues being very close to my heart and and personally uh, you know, something that I've dealt with in my own life and my, and my family, like my birth family and stuff like that. I wish I could stop whistling. I don't know why I'm whistling all of a sudden. Something wrong with my teeth. Great. Cool. Can't wait. Awesome. Anyway, um, uh, so, like, I, I, I'm aware of the outreach, right? Like, people are always, compl- especially in New York, right? Given, like, what just happened in the midterms, people are just, like, always complaining about, like, crimes and, like, emotionally disturbed people and, like, you know, rampant drug use and stuff like that like but people don't want to do anything about it like the 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 response on the right is like let's just lock them up like let's punish them like that's not what you do with addicts right like doesn't do anything throwing an addict in jail especially when you don't like prison doesn't do anything especially when you're not controlling drug use in prison because nobody cares right like i mean there's a big argument to be made about how the police department is policing people these days it's not like it used to be and you know People that aren't doing their jobs properly, like, that just doesn't stop at the blue wall, right? Like, there's lots of people that just are too lazy to do their jobs. They're just looking for their 9 to 5 and their benefits and stuff. That has nothing to do with police. It happens, has to be, like, a it happens to be a human issue. It's something that we really should address as a society. But that kind of stuff, like, throwing a drug addict in prison doesn't really do anything. Like, and... And it's it's important to to realize that it takes work, that it takes effort to change those behaviors. It takes work it takes work on both sides, the person, the addict themselves, and outreach in order to do it. Sometimes family support, but if you don't have family support, I mean, there's a whole lot that there's an entire line of thinking like where you just turn your back on your your addict family member because it's the only way for you to spare yourself. They're never like there's that whole and I understand it. Like I understand that there's places for all these things but like it just anyway so um i was just reading this thing in vice where it just says uh basically cities are teaching drug users how to shoot up properly and this is honestly something i never gave a thought to until five minutes ago 
And this is really the only reason I'm bringing it up, because I don't know how many other people have given this some thought, too. And I don't know, like, I really don't even know how I feel about this. But I'm, I'm leaning, as it's sitting with me, I'm leaning towards this is probably better than not. Uh, so the article, again, it's in it's in uh, Vice Magazine. Uh, and Manisha, Manisha Krishna, she's a senior reporter for Vice News. Uh, cities are teaching drug users how to shoot up properly. When I visited New York's safe injection site on point earlier this year, I was surprised to find that drug users were being given step-by-step guides on how to shoot up drugs. While it's a con- controversial practice, some argue it's enabling, on point senior director uh, Kalen C. explained that there's nowhere else for, for people to learn how to shoot up properly. So they rely on the internet and each other, and often they get it wrong. Common mistakes include not switching up veins, shooting away from the heart, not using a tourniquet, and preparing the drugs incorrectly. On Point also helps people dose their drugs in order to achieve their desired high. The consequences of not shooting up properly, including overdosing and damaging veins, are heightened with fentanyl, ultrapotent benzodiazepines, and the tranquilizers flooding the supply, the drug supply right now. Tranquedope, a mix of fentanyl and the animal sedative xylazine, has spread to at least 39 states and users are reporting horrific wounds on their skin, sometimes resulting in amputation. Now, I don't know how many people in my listening audience know actual addicts or have known actual addicts or have been actual addicts themselves. I don't know anybody that likes to be that way. For all the addicts I've known, including myself, nobody likes... Like, you might like the results of your addiction, uh, you know, like drinking too much or getting high or whatever, like at that time, like you might love it, like, yeah, I get it. Uh, Or even just even smoking cigarettes, like, or any other vice, honestly, gambling, like, you know, all that other stuff, like any vice, any, uh, any addiction, like you like it when you're in it because that's, you know, that's kind of what drives that thing. But nobody likes being a slave to something like that. Nobody. They really don't. Um, And, you know, I I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that's like, man, I just love this smoking addiction I have. Or I love that I have to shoot up every day. Like, I just, I don't think it happens. And if it is, maybe, you know, maybe I'm misspeaking. Maybe it's one in a million. But more often than not, addicts don't want to be addicts. And I don't blame them. Right? Like, it just, it's, it's an awful thing. So, what is the state of helping them. Like, if you know they're not quitting because they just, they aren't there yet, they can't quit. You ever try and force somebody to quit smoking or quit drinking? That's nothing compared to, like, trying to quit something you're shooting, like heroin. It's nothing. I've known people that have done both. So I guess in the interim, it's probably better to keep them safe so they're alive long enough to actually get around to quit. And I'm saying get around, like, it's not like they're lazy, like, get up and get a job. Like, Coming around to quitting. I think it's probably a good thing. It's just my take. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt the show with that incredibly up moment. <laughs> uh, let's see, what can cure this? What can cure this? Oh, I know. Who's feeling white stripey? I am. Hard rock lunch box. Nobody writes it like Iggy Pop, am I right? <laughs> Some great great lyrics. Anytime you can work your goddamn dick into a song, I think we might be honest. 
Sleeping with Sirens has new music out uh, fairly recently. Um, I grabbed two of them for today, and honestly, I can't remember which one is which. So I'm just going to flip a coin and play... Yeah, Complete Collapse. Brand new Sleeping with Sirens. On the box. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Yeah, man. It's been ages since I've heard some Sonic Youth. And sometimes I just forget... How much I like listening to those weirdos. I mean, I'm not going to listen to it again for a while, but man, Bullin' the Heather, like, that's really Sonic Youth at the pinnacle of Sonic Youthness. <laughs> so I'm happy to do it for you. But now we can get into some brand new stuff. So the band is called Avoid, and the song is called Can't Take This Away. Now I'm going to tell you, it took me a little while to figure out if I like it. And I've considered whether or not we were going to play another round of uh, another round of does it box but here's the thing so there are some parts that are questionable I think we all know how I feel about horns in music unless of course you're Dino Skate Park or uh, Real Big Fish uh, so uh, there are horns in there like full disclosure there's horns in this song I don't know that they need to be there but I feel like they were probably like, you know, you got to give Jeffrey a couple seconds to play the horn or something like that. Maybe that was the conversation. But what sold it for me, and the reason I do think it boxes, is because the parts I like, I really, really like. And the rest I can kind of do without. So is it going to be like one of my favorite songs? Nope. But was it worth playing for you on the box? 100%. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Yeah, man, it's a farewell fire. Live. You'll be able to see them probably do that one live with us and Craving Strange and, of course, Mikey Wayman on December 16th at Mr. Beery's. It's our end-of-the-year bash. All the information is now finally pasted on Facebook, thanks to yours truly finding 20 minutes out of his life to do it. Not an easy task these days. So I was listening to uh, Release Radar, as I often do, and uh, everybody knows like how much I'm just not – I just I don't buy into the whole – uh, Hailstorm thing. I just, I don't think Lizzie Hailstorm, you know, is as good as everybody seems to think she is. And I, that's just my personal opinion. I've never been able to get behind it. Like, maybe one or two songs, but just, it never seems to do it for me. And this particular week, uh, the new Hailstorm song was on, and I, as expected, was not moved at all by it. But the very next song was by an artist who I have absolutely no idea who it is, and it's a it's a, it's a, uh, damn, I'm losing the words. It's not a compilation when you work with somebody, a collaboration with somebody else who I also don't know. It's Nita Strauss and Alyssa White. Clues? I have no idea who they are, but I will say that it was so much better than the Hailstrom song that I decided to grab it. Again, not my super favorite thing, but man, some of the choices they make in the, in the notes that they go for guitar wise, like I was definitely digging it. Definitely listen to it more than twice, which is more than I can say about anything from Hellstrom. So I'm not trying to bash them. I'm just saying I don't totally understand it. But here's something called The Wolf You Feed. Hope you dig it. On the box. Hard Rock Lunch Box. That was a little taproot for you. Digging on them lately. I used to be really, really into them when they came out with uh, uh, Plead the Fifth. Such a good goddamn record. Uh, but yeah, I've been listening to him a lot. Like, nobody sounds like 
nobody sounds like them. Nobody uses those harmonies. And I love bands that just sound like them. And nobody else sounds like them. It's what I've always shot for with Rebel 9. Like, just to be like, yep, that's, that's a Rebel 9 song. Like, I feel like it's a good thing to aim for. And I feel like more often than not, we do sort of get it. But, uh, yeah, people like Taproot, man, they just... I can only aspire. <laughs> so, in other new music... The Pretty Reckless put out new uh, a new record, and they've got new music out. And for the life of me, I can never remember the singer's name or the television show she came from. It's not something I watch. I don't do a lot of pop, pop culture. And definitely anything that was on while I was raising young kids is just purged from my memory. Because with the exception of Survivor Man, I don't really give a shit what was on television at that point. So. But... Uh, they put together a cover of uh, The Keeper, Chris Cornell's Keeper, and I was going to play that for you today because I thought they did an incredibly good version of it. But I'm going to let you guys do that on your own because the reality is just hearing it once or twice made me miss the original so much that I just, I've been listening to it a lot. And I thought you might like to as well. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Now, I have not researched this particular fact myself. But I'm just going to say it anyway. According to the television, above the gas pump at the Speedway I was at just the other night, Taylor Swift has done something that nobody else has ever done in the history of ever, ever. She has placed a song in all ten spots of the top ten of the Billboard 100. And that is effing amazing. Hard Rock Lunch Box. It's definitely hard to not listen to that song lyrically and just appreciate some of the moments and some of the things that she talks about. I think the main thing I take away from any Taylor Swift song is her ability to actually just invest herself into the song, into the lyrics. And I'm hoping that it's all true and not just stories. Over the years, I've talked to a lot of artists that I like and appreciate the stories that they tell and the commonality of the, of the songs that I just really just react to is always when that artist just sort of dips into something personal and and really relates it to us in, in lyric and in song. And I've talked to Jimmy G about this, I don't know, millions of times. And we've even talked about other artists that don't quite do that. And there's always that distance, right? There's always that I don't know. It's 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 not a shallowness. That's not what I'm going for. But there's a lack of depth kind of like maybe a mirror or something like that. I don't know. But I've always appreciated when people like Jimmy step out of that and really tell you the full story. Of course, as long as you're willing to listen to it. And it's just, it just always makes for a better song. I don't know that I can think of a better example off the top of my head than this. It's your weekly craving of the week on the box. You used to be a part of the fight I used to be someone I liked You were never ready You were never ready You have to complicate And I'm always proving that I'm right We were never ready We were never ready This is the last time You will ever see me act like
lost the song. Everything is empty. Everything is empty. I know that you can't see, and I can't keep shutting my eyes. You were never ready. You were never ready. This is the last time you will ever see me act like I could never be. My father would womanize. He would drink. He would make outrageous claims, like he invented the hard rock lunch box. Sometimes he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy. She was born with a golden heart. Summer girls, a precious smile. Can't believe he ever saw that. Turn the soul as a work of art. Different men, a different life.
it is, but every time I hear the ending of that song, I definitely think of the movie Top Gun. I'm sure they're stealing something from there, because I know Joey. He would have lifted from Top Gun if given half the chance. I'm sure of it. But unfortunately, we don't have time or the resources to do that level of in-depth investigation. So I'm just going to just chuck it out the window into the pile of conspiracy theories about the neon skyline that I am sure to be starting soon. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We're at the end of another box, I know. I can barely believe it either. But uh, my bladder tells me it's time to go. So it's time to go. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody for sharing part of your Thursday afternoon with the Hard Rock Lunchbox and everybody for supporting 100 episodes of the Top 20. I could make a judgment about people like you, but I'm going to reserve the right just to just be grateful for people like you because, honestly, you're awesome. Thank you for supporting that. Thank you for supporting everything I do. I totally appreciate it. I really do, honestly, all kidding aside. So have yourself a great weekend. Don't forget to dress warm. Oh, it's the last game of the year for my beloved Hurricanes. I'll fill you in on details after or next week on Thanksgiving. I probably won't because we're going to have the box giving badge. God damn it, there is too much to do on this show. Maybe I should have a three-hour show. Absolutely not. Nobody get behind that idea. Please, I do not have time to do a three-hour show. What I do have time for is to help you dance your way on out with some of the greatest music in the history of ever. And I'll see you next week for the Box Giving Edition of The Box. Hard Rock Lunch Box.